as of today, I'd like to officially announce that I quit in WWE. This is formerly Jordan Miles, formerly of the WWE. I am no longer employee. I refuse to work for races. I quit them. And he's enraged, so he's taking action. I hate that company and everything they stand for. All they did was ever hold off people back. I do this for the culture. I don't need anyone's permission to do what I want to do. Jordan Miles don't ever call me by that slave name. Call me ACH and don't forget the super bitch. I quit. We have covered ACH's story. He tweeted, they'll regret making this. Hashtag for the culture. Displaying a shirt with racial undertone. Prior to deleting his Twitter account, ACH retweeted this image drawing parallels between the shirt WWE marketed and blackface. As outlined previously, Vince McMahon, the company's CEO, controls everything. Probably one of my biggest challenges is actually managing my father. WWE's chief brand officer, Stephanie McMahon, daughter of Vince. <laughs> um, but he is the ultimate creative say. Which is very telling. It's such a toxic atmosphere and it's all because of one person via PWTorch.com's post-raw podcast. McMahon is so anal he will tear up a script late in the day and rewrite an entire show per Forbes. In March, E60's television cameras were the first ever granted access to a WWE production meeting. And you know that a lot of guys don't know what's happening yet, so probably by next week. A man with full control writes in himself saying the n-word on national television. A man with full say okays the idea of gold dust wearing blackface, a fake afro on his head, and a boombox. McMahon, judge, jury, and executioner allowed Triple H, his daughter, Stephanie's husband, along with D Generation X to also wear blackface. We understand the game. We see what the game is that people, people like us, will only get so far. McMahon, the CEO who okays and rewrites scripts wanted Rowdy Roddy Piper dressed in half blackface to get under the skin of an African-American wrestler. I refuse to work for racists. Hulk Hogan was the star of WWE. I mean, I am a racist to a point. But then when it comes to nice people and and whatever. Then says, I mean, I'd rather if she was going to some I'd rather have her marry an eight foot tall worth a hundred million dollars. Like a basketball player. Guess we're all a little racist. After Hogan was caught dropping the N-word, Big E tweeted, appropriate a culture, pilfer from its dialect, profit wildly from it, and regard its people as subhuman. Makes sense. Hogan was welcomed back by WWE on Raw in September. A former WWE women's champ called WWE racist, saying they discard bigoted people because they have the same thoughts and sniping at detractors sarcastically tweeting, oh, okay, because they hire people of ethnicity doesn't mean they aren't racist. It's business number one. Two, you don't know anything about what happens backstage, like Michael Hayes, who attacked Mark Henry, saying, I'm more of an N-word than you are. Henry later complained to WWE management and Hayes was slapped with the suspension. He was retained as head creative writer. Hayes also took aim at Barack Obama saying, how can we have a president that can't read the constitution? And if that boy gets elected, I'm moving to Canada. And it bleeds in arenas. Wrestling itself has a history of insensitive promoting tactics, sneaky Asian wrestlers who spoke broken English, or Latino wrestlers with exaggerated accents. Triple H said to Booker T on air, the fact is Booker, somebody like you doesn't get to be a world champ. People like you don't deserve it. That's reserved for people like me. Then you're here to be an entertainer. Go ahead and do a little dance for me. Go ahead. Give me one of those spinneroonies. You're here to make people like me laugh with your nappy hair and your suckas. Some may point towards the money and fame that come with WWE employment. You might reasonably think that the wrestlers employed by him are his employees. They're actually not. They're merely independent contractors. But employees aren't protected because in closing, as Kurt Flood would say. You're a man who makes $90,000 a year, which isn't exactly slave wages. What's your retort to that? Uh, a well-paid slave is nonetheless a slave. Welcome to the Bagland Podcast. This is Bagland DP, where we discuss politics, tech, and tangibles. If it's not about that, I don't want to hear it. Promoter needs black-owned businesses. Phil Solomon Restoration, LLC. Repair of wallpaper, 
toilet installation, cabinets, doors, sinks, painting, carpentry. Call 612-298-9852. Email PhilSolomonRestoration at Outlook.com. Go to www.TheNaturalJourneyForLife.com to get your health, your smoothies, and your recipes. Go to the Sizzling Wagon Food Truck. Excellent food, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. in downtown Minneapolis, serving on the lockdown as well. Call 612-475-0713 for takeout. Go to beingblackonit.com to get your how to get into the information technology game. Now on Amazon Prime. Go to beingblackonit.com for that book. Go to Inns Beauty and Supplies on 615-66th Avenue, North Brooklyn Park. Open every day from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Green Royal Videos Animation does excellent videos for your products and services. Hit me up on beingblackonit.com to get the game from him, and I will hook you up. He's also going to be doing some new animation classes soon, so stay tuned for that. Go to www.catwalkfierce.com to get your makeup done and consultations right. Excellent work. Go to www.accelerateclasses.com to get your Excel, Python, Data Science, SQL, Aura, Coding, HTML, CSS boot camps. Here is a black-owned wine company, McBrideSisters.com. Go to www.centerfire, or I'm sorry, www.centerfiretacticalgear.com. Get your tactical gear there. Go to www.onpointarmsllc.com to get your firearms. Go to htxtactical.com for your custom builds. Go to itmasterkey.com for your online certification classes. Go to bbombbookclub.com, that's a black-owned book club. Go to puzzlehuddle.com, that's a black-owned puzzle creation service. www.iwantamask.com, they got the KN95 compliant mask, excellent mask. www.thesafetypouch.com, this allows you to keep your wallet in no reaching distance if you get pulled over by the race soldiers. And go to www.tcmobilecarwash.com, appointment only. Call 612-800-2772. Go to www.sendbeats.com, that's P-S-Y-N-Beats.com. He does audio production, movie scores, video games, device sounds. Have your BMI and ASCAP ready. Have your cash, cash, have your cash app and PayPal ready. Go to www.dirkswipes.com. That's www.derxwipes.com. They do excellent natural disinfectant wipes. So you want to definitely check and check that out. And no one, and remember, no one is bigger than the cold. Tonight we're going to be talking about the stirring cup. The Stirring Cup class and several several other topics. Now we know the universe is changing and it must balance out. All of the things that's happening right now that you hear about, you hearing about black folks not receiving the most constructive help. You're hearing about all these different subjects and things that's going on. Yes, we're in here tonight. The universe is changing. And I want to cover, I want to start off covering a black owned company called Dirk's Wipes. This is a disinfectant wipe company. Something that caught my eye. And they're actually shipping products out of the state of Minnesota. So let me put you on some game for a minute real quick before we get into the program tonight. And one thing I noticed when I went to their website is they had a black child being uh, an image of a black child on their product. And going on the website, you know, I'm a person that looks at symbols. And one of the symbols that I've seen, the graphic designer did an excellent job because one of the symbols I noticed, you've seen under the Dirk's name, 
you see like a teardrop. Now that can mean clear, but that could also possibly mean the teardrops for the pain in the black community or population, should I say, because we don't have a community yet. Shout out to Tulsa, Oklahoma, many, many moons ago. But I see that there's a teardrop under the D. Now, a lot of cleaning companies use that teardrop as water, as cleaning. But then when you see, when you look at the black child's head and you look to the left, you see like two pieces that look like stars, which can represent shine. But if you kind of study the picture a little bit on their website, it almost looks like those could be representative as stars. If they were above his head, you would almost think, okay, symbolically, maybe that could be the North Star. Or maybe that could be the stars is leading you to the path of freedom. So there's a lot of a lot of very a lot of various things that you can look at. And I've noticed that a lot of black folks that start some companies, sometimes this question comes up about, well, if I put a black image on here, if I put a black face, will that make people upset? That's a subconscious uh, plantation mentality that's in the back of some black people's minds, but you're still looking at colder ice. Do you dig it? You're still looking at colder ice. You're still looking for social integration approval. By definition, your concern is that if somebody sees a black face, it may make them offend, offended. There was a study and there was a report that I was reporting on in which the report was made, making the following statement that when they did a survey or like a test and they showed some white folks if something happened on their computer, such as an error or a crash, if they seen a black face, they reported that majority of the people that were in that survey showed more anger towards a black face. So when you look at that from a subconscious level, you have to look at it from a standpoint like, well, they could be afraid that they're putting out a product. If they put a black face on it, it may make some white people offended. So that's more that colder ice mentality. That's the Cooper class mentality. I want to talk about the Cooper class mentality tonight. So I'm going to be tying a lot of different things together in that regard. Cooper reported that a Karen was trying to call 911 to potentially get him executed. The set, the setting up and the precedent set up for a domestic terror ambush lynching that could have occurred. Then he turned around when it was time for her to get a swift kick in the ass. He really didn't want nothing to happen to her. Stirring Spoon Jerome. You guys seen the movie Get Out? Stirring Spoon Jerome. That's the Cooper class. So some of us still have that Cooper class in us. We got to get all of that Cooper class up out of us. That's got to be turned. That's got to be tarnished and, and uh, stranded. Got to sweep that Cooper class stirring cup syndrome up out of us. Because something I pointed out today, I was having a conversation. I, I asked a question. Well, if, if a person that was getting ready to buy a product had a problem with a black child being on it, did they ever have a problem when they were buying Aunt Jemima syrup, Miss Butterworth, Uncle Ben? That's a question. Here's another question. Do you guys know about what they call quasi, the word quasi? The word quad comes from four. But wasn't Aunt and Uncle wasn't Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben wasn't that in, uh wasn't that around post slavery or Jim Crow quasi slavery? So Uncle Uncle and Aunt was quasi respect terms that were used. So they didn't really want to call black folks by the name of Miss and Mrs. That was that was for set up for white folks. We can't give these Negroes no respect because. 
under nine areas of activity under the system of racism white supremacy we can't give these negroes any respect but nine times out of ten aunt jemima probably raised me so i'm gonna call her aunt i'm not gonna call her miss jemima that's too much respect i'm gonna call her aunt jemima or uncle ben that's the word uncle or aunt so it's a little quasi respect it's like i'm not calling you a nigger but i really mean it but i'm calling you auntie or uncle because i don't want to call you mr ben or miss or mrs jemima so it's kind of interesting the way you tie that around when you think about it very very interesting Y'all go to www.derxwipes.com, dirkswipes.com, natural disinfectant. Check out that website and tell me what you think. I thought that was very interesting. But let's get into the show tonight. There's going to be a couple different things we're going to go on here and talk about. Now, when you listen to that report was given to the WWE <coughs> even in the World Wrestling Federation you got brothers that's being mistreated Jordan Miles he had made a statement that they wanted to put a t-shirt on him and when you compare that t-shirt it looks that of some blackface it looks like some old some of that old Disney anti-black racism going on you dig you had the smile. It looked like the old, like the old coon smile, the old jumping Jim Crow symbolism under there. So he wanted to quit. He said he quit. He wasn't really interested in staying on board. And as the man says that they're subcontractors. So you got a plantation thing going on even in the wrestling world, there's been some things that Hulk Hogan has said that was out of pocket. He wanted his wife or his daughter to only marry a rich Negro. See, and if you notice how white supremacy works, if they could get a rich ass nigga, that's how you, when you really think about it, it's like a double black sword. They figure if I could get a stirring cup, Jerome, if I could get somebody with the Cooper class, I might look past his black uniform. They'll look past his black uniform in order for his daughter to have wealth. Thus, she will get a stirring cup, a stirring spoon, Jerome. So if he'll be a bed buck, the billion dollar buck, if he'll be a billion dollar buck, she, he might just pass go. I'll let this this monkey smother my daughter if, you know, see, that's how they're looking at it. That's basically what he was saying. Somebody sent me a report from ringsidenews.com. I'm not really into the wrestling thing, but this was a report from Ringside News saying, Leo Rush encourages all black folks to speak out against injustice. They say he went on a bitter of a Twitter rant today and made several headlines. Now notice they call it, call it a rant when a black person is basically talking about some type of injustice. They call it a rant. That's the first thing they do. But he, they say he made several headlines. He called out old beef with Finn Baylor before calling out the pro wrestling world's in racial injustices. Now some fans were concerned about Rush. Now, I don't know how concerned they were. Now, if they were concerned, they will be talking and speaking against the system of racism, white supremacy. I don't know if that occurred, but under definition, that, that would be the case. It says a former WWE superstar is now free to work wherever he wants, but he sold his gear and announced his final match. Now, one fan tweeted out about Leo and said that it seems like he's in a bad place. Now, Russ responded to let this fan know he's never been better. He said, I've actually never been in a better place. I appreciate the concern though, my man. So basically you're in a bad place. You are a Negro being mistreated under the system of racism, white supremacy. You have no right to say and speak out against it. You're in a bad place. 
So now that you're leaving the plantation, you're told that you're not in a good place. You're in a bad place. And he's saying, I'm in a better place. I've, I'm off this plantation. I'm in the best place I've ever been in my life. Then he followed up, they said, with another tweet to encourage his fellow black folks to speak out when they see something. He wants everyone to succeed, but that's not going to happen if they allow others to put labels on them. He said, from here on out, I encourage all black, uh, black professional wrestlers to start speaking up, stand for what's right. I want us to succeed. Don't allow others to put labels on us as being disrespectful, mentally challenged, angry, bitter, etc. Our truth isn't their truth. There you go. Look at what happened to Cannon. You had a whole bunch of suspected plantation operative Sambos bringing that old Sambo energy. Cannon, Nick really didn't have the backup. He stood against the white supremacists. He spoke out. He said, all right, black folks is the tr true Hebrews. He was speaking truth to a lot of things here. He had Professor Griff on there. They said, all right, nigga, we want an apology. He stood tall, he stood as tall as he could, and then he finally bailed out. And you know what? He was sitting there thinking about his staff. He was thinking about his children. And he knew there was a bunch of Sambo-ass niggas that never stood out against their boss, never stood out against HR, never spoke, and never stood tall. So the same energy that Ida B. Wells was going against, Medgar Evers, the same Sambo energy, Niggas that didn't really want to stand when they were speaking out against the system of racism, white supremacy. He knew that nobody was going to really stand tall. So people said, well, he apologized. He buckled. The nigga that buckled, one of the main people that buckled. I seen a tweet. I heard something that I think it was uh, Dwayne Wade made a statement or something. And then he hurried up. Now this is a buck broken nigga that didn't want to stand tall against the system of racism, white supremacy. You seen your fellow brother getting beat up and nobody really wanted to stand tall with him. So he said, fuck it, I'm gonna apologize. I'm kind of messed up, I'm still a boss, but I really don't got no backup. Because the Sambo, the Cooper class, the stirring cup Jerome class of white supremacy, which is the Sambo niggas, the stirring cup Jerome class, they didn't really want to help. So they pretty much attacked him and basically said, oh man, you being racist. A lot of these folks that was doing that, these weren't the descendants of the slaves. These were the Sambo class of immigrant niggas that done come over here that already got disdain for us. So they really don't look at it from a standpoint like, okay, this is a foundational black American. This is a nigga from Lincoln Park, San Diego that done made it out the set, made it out of San Southeast San Diego and then made it to the top. So they're not looking at Nick the same way that foundational black Americans is looking at Nick. They're looking at it from the standpoint of the stirring cup Jerome. The Cooper class. Well, you know, don't lock her up. I know she was gonna get me executed, but don't lock her up. That's the kind of that's the Cooper class. The bird watching Cooper class, the Cooper Coon class. So this brother basically saying, spit stand up speak out because you don't we're not we're not disrespectful we're not mentally challenged we're not angry and bitter our truth isn't their truth now it says leo rush has a music career as well which is getting an increased focus being at home during a pandemic pandemic gave him a lot of time to focus on writing and other ventures then it says he seems to be good but he's just not remaining quiet. The man of the hour probably appreciates the concern, but he's in a great place now if you ask him. Shout out to Leo Rush. Now I told y'all about Trailer Trash Bob. I, I told y'all about Trailer Trash Bob. We gonna get into another report in a little bit. But I told y'all about Trailer Trash Bob. I had a whole episode about Trailer Trash Bob. Black folks going to work and you getting harassed at work for doing your damn job and you're not getting constructive help.
you know. I guess seen something with NASCAR's Bubba Wallace. He got booed and crashes as the Confederate flag flies in and around the racetrack. Now, remember, they were supposed to have this ban. At that point, this should be a terrorist flag. See, here's the thing. The world wars and the world war, were all the world wars, the revolutionary war, the civil wars, they wouldn't have been successful without foundational black Americans. That statement I made is either true or false. When the union ran like some yellow bellies, it was black folks that picked up them poles and got the yakking. Do you hear me? So that Confederate flag is a terrorist white supremacist flag. That's really what it is. They were flying that flag to be like, nigga, we done put this damn noose up. Now you need to go home. We don't really want you up in here, you you mutt Negro. You're black enough for mistreatment. That's how they were looking at it. Yahoo Entertainment says NASCAR's Cup Series All-Star Race was not good. One for Bubba, Spark, Bubba uh, Wallace. I was going to say Bubba Sparks. Appearing at a qualifier held on Wednesday in Bristol, Tennessee, Wallace was booed, then crashed into a wall. It was the first time a significant number of fans were present at a NASCAR race since the Confederate flag was banned. Several thousand fans were at hand, and so was the flag. Jenna Fryer, the Associated Press Auto Racing reporter, tweeted that many Confederate flags were sighted in and around the Bristol Motor Speedway. FWI, in addition to Confederate flags flying over Bristol, there was another hanging off a balcony of a condo across from the main entrance as well as others along Speedwell Boulevard. Now, if you had a Black Lives Matter, the code and the movement, not talking about that LGBT front organization that drained Ferguson Drive, I digress. If you had a Black Lives Matter or how about better yet, an anti-black, uh, no anti-black racism flag. They wouldn't allow that. They would have ushered them niggas about the paint. Fryer also reported that Wallace, NASCAR's only top tier black driver and prominently in the news when reports surfaced of a noose found in his garage at another track was booed when he was introduced and had fans cheer when he crashed. Think about that. Now, this man could have lost his life. And these redneck crackers down there in Tennessee is booing. They wanted the man to die. That's really what that meant. He was booed when he was introduced and many cheered when he crashed. Now, Wallace made an appearance on Thursday night's episode of Showtime's Dezos and Merrill talk show and defended his role in NASCAR's efforts to ban the Confederate flag. Now, NASCAR banned the flag on June 10th, the same day Wallace drove a car supporting the Black Lives Matter movement at Martinsville, Virginia. You dig? Now, this is what he said. He says, we always want to pay attention to the negative, but the narrative that's been out there now is saying all NASCAR fans are racist and whatnot, and that's totally not true, Wallace said on the show. I've gone down in the infield at Talladega, wherever it's at, Daytona, Texas, Michigan, and I never knew if people were flying the Confederate flag. We would go there and drink beer, have a good time, and hang out. It wasn't like they don't want you there. No, wait a minute, Bubba. Wait a damn minute, Bubba. You know damn well. See, this is, see, now I'm starting to smell a little Cooper class energy. Nigga. You know that NASCAR has a white supremacist background. Talking about you didn't notice no flags. They've been had flags up. And their numbers have been dropping. Come on, Bubba. Don't do that now. Don't do that, Bubba. We got to keep it 100. Do you hear me? Bubba, you know damn well that there's been white supremacist flags since you've been in the game. You done seen them. Don't do that. Don't pull a John Lewis. Don't, don't, don't not admit it. Don't do that. Now we can't do that. We can't be out here lying and carrying on. No, 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 Bubba. We can't do that. Speaking of which, let's look at some other reports that came out tonight. 
I might have to go live. Now this is a little older. But let's let's get into this here. White supremacist gang growing in North Carolina. This came out in the year of our Lord, July 20th, 2018. So almost a year from today. Now this is in North Carolina. Quote, not only are we seeing them in increasing in numbers, but we're seeing them increasing in violence and violent behavior, Jackson told members of the State Emergency Response Commission. Law enforcement agencies in other states also have reported similar growth. Organizations that track hate groups have noted increased activity in such groups, even though many social media sites made an effort to block white supremacist groups in the wake of a fatal clash in Charlottesville last year. I'm bringing this up for a reason. They have not tried to black, black white supremacist group. Shout out to Facebook. Shout out to old Zucker, Buck and Zucker. Many white supremacist groups engage in the same criminal enterprises as other gangs, Taylor said. And some gangs have even developed their own dark web apps to communicate out of sight of law enforcement. Well, law enforcement knows about them, so don't get that twisted. They're plugged in with the ghost skins. Recruiting is mostly done through social media or in person. Gang activity is on the rise in North Carolina, the sharpest increase among white supremacist groups. The major gangs operate in North Carolina are still the Bloods, the Crips, the Gangsters, the Folks, but Tony Taylor, who heads the Special Operations and Intelligence Section of the State Department of Public Safety, said the rise in white supremacy groups is a new development. Taylor said, we're not sure what's causing it. It's just a trend we're starting to see and we're trying to figure it out. That's a whole lot of explaining for them. We're trying to figure it out. You've had these groups for over decades, for many decades. Talking about we don't know what's causing it other, other than this one group seems to be standing out right out bound for glory. Now, Russell Jackson, DPS intelligence agent, said, said national groups like the Klan and Aryan Pride also are expanding across the state, including in the prison system. What they're doing, y'all, is they're getting, they were getting all code. They were setting up a long time ago. That's what they were doing. There's another one. Now, here's one in North Carolina. Now, this is by scalawagmagazine.org. This North Carolina law lets police keep racism and abuse under wraps. Now, going back, I reported this before. He said, we're just going to go out and start slaughtering them, said Wilmington, North Carolina police officer Michael Kevin Piner, referring to black people with an expletive and a racial slur. I can't wait. God, I can't wait. This was of a, a small part of a rage-filled phone call between Piner and his cop buddies, James Gilmore and Jesse Moore II. Now, their conversation was accidentally recorded by a dashboard camera on June 24th. But it didn't stop there. It says, in a highly unusual move, Williams also released documents from the internal investigation of Piner, Gilmore, and Moore. Y'all didn't hear about this one, did you? Why are we releasing this information this way and at that and at this time? That was a question he made. Because it's the right thing to do. Normally, personnel laws only allow a very small amount of information to be made public, Williams said. Donnie Williams, the appointed chief of police. That's Williams talking. However, in exceptional cases, when it is essential to maintain public confidence in the administration of the city and police department, more information may be released. So when he's saying build public confidence, we want the public to feel confident that we're doing justice. When we know damn well there's race soldiers on this force. I'm the chief and I know that, but I'm explaining. Then he said, this is the most exceptional and difficult case I've encountered in my career. We must establish new reforms for policing here at home and throughout this country. So in so many words, this is exceptional and difficult because they got caught. Let me analyze that for a minute. They got caught saying some out of pocket shit that was accidentally recorded and somebody went and reported it and they had it on tape. 
So it's not difficult, it's very simple. You said that you were going to commit domestic terror ambush lynchings on black people. Life sentence with no parole. Treat it the same way like a nigga did it. What's difficult about it? Now, Williams' decision is extraordinary because more often than not, police keep a tight grip on public records, even those that the law requires them to share. As nationwide, as communities nationwide demand changes or an end to policing, many are pushing for greater transparency as a vital step. Now, they start talking about accountability, transparency. They're not talking about punishment. The demonic do-nothing rat bastard Democrats aren't talking about punishment. They're talking about accountability and transparency. They're not talking about life sentences. Free my, uh, br uh, uh, br uh, Mayan Burrell. Let's talk about that case real quick. This brother has been in Stillwater for forever. Amy Klobo cop still ain't went out the bat to free him after wrongfully accusing and locking him up when he was probably damn near a teenager. Everybody in that involved, everyone in that case should get life with no parole. The jailhouse rat then already admitted that he didn't do the crime. He should be given he should be given 10 to 15 million dollars each year and every person every white supremacist that was involved in that case needs to get life with no parole. Right in that same goddamn cell that he was in, right there. Stillwater and Oak Park Heights, three hots in a goddamn cop. I digress. In North Carolina, a coalition called the Alamance Agents for Change is demanding access to police records. A rural county between Greensboro and Durham, Alamance has had two residents killed by police in recent months. A county commissioner heightened tensions in June when he publicly bragged about he, how he used to beat the hell out of people when he was a cop. And there's also a battle over a Confederate monument underway. It says one of AAC's demands is to make law enforcement disciplinary records public. They should be public already. In less than six months, there have been two police involved shootings in Alamance County and the process of investigation and release of information does not appear very transparent, explained Tamara Kersey Brown, a local pastor and leader in the AAC coalition. She said, we're not clear if there's been any disciplinary actions. Whereas journalists were able to obtain records of excessive force complaints against Derek Chauvin, the former police, or should I say race soldier, charged with second degree murder in the lynching of George Floyd. North Carolina law doesn't require law enforcement agencies to release such documents. Now listen to this. This is something y'all have not heard elsewhere beyond the Bagland podcast. North Carolina is one of 23 states, including Virginia and Mississippi, where police disciplinary records are mostly confidential. Many Southern states have ambiguous laws that sometimes allow access to these records. Now listen, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida are the Southern states with laws granting the most access to local police disciplinary records. Like most states, North Carolina has its own version of the Federal Freedom of Information Act. But according to Brooks Fuller, director of the North Carolina Open Government Coalition, there are they are murky and gray areas of public records law that keep most people from accessing this information. So here's the question, who is able to access the information and at what terms, at what measures, based on what grounds? We have a pretty broad sweeping laws when it comes to law enforcement and pretty big blind spots in our public records law, Fuller said. It makes it very hard for citizens to bring lawsuits to recover anything. Not only should we have access to the law, but we own the law. According to Fuller, personnel laws do not entirely shield police records, so sometimes 
So he sometimes helps to file amicus briefs in legal battles over public records. He added that although North Carolina statutes say the public should have liberal access to information, several protections are in place that prohibit the success of these court challenges. So let me break this down here on the Bagland Podcast. Cause these Sambo ass niggas on the continuous neglect law, or should I say the Caucasian Nazi, or should I say the Caucasian Nazi news, they're not gonna break it down for you. What they're saying here, people, is you can't find out if they happen to assassinate somebody, beat somebody half to death, rape a woman. Do y'all remember that bastard out there in Oklahoma? That white supremacist that was raping black women left and right, arresting them and raping them? You don't know about these things because they're protecting them. They're staying on code. For all you niggas talking about we need more police. We need police reform. You can't reform a white supremacist. It's impossible. I'm giving you the game right here. What the hell is you talking about? They got laws upon laws upon laws. Protecting, 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 protecting. You understand me? Now look at this case. Y'all didn't hear about this, have you? In March, now this was a Louisiana sheriff deputy. He shot a 14-year-old boy in the back and it went unreported for months. No one spoke up to say an officer shot my child. Now, this is a report on July 18th. Today, in March, Tiffany McGee rushed to the hospital after finding out her 14-year-old son, Trey Maul, had been shot. Upon her arrival, she was denied visitation and given little information on the incident. It was by incident that she she discovered her baby boy was shot by a deputy with the Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Office. They said they wouldn't allow me to see him. She said her son was being treated as both a victim and a suspect. They said they didn't even try to explain to me what happened. They didn't say what he was in custody for. They had me believing my child was shot in the street by someone, not an officer. So this went on for months, but in June during a news conference, Sheriff Joe Lapinto was asked about the incident. This was the first time Jefferson Parish authorities publicly addressed the incident. Still, little information was given. Remember, as Dr. Claude Anderson said, they use very broad and ambiguous terms, and they tend to take both sides of the argument. Now, McGee, she's been trying to get answers for months. She was calling the police, trying to file complaints, but they gave her the runaround. She still does not know who shot her son, whether the officer will be held accountable, and why her son was shot. According to NBC News, the Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Office initial report stated there was a car stolen days prior, and officers were out searching for the teens driving it. Yet, the report neglected to mention a deputy-involved shooting or that anyone was taken to the hospital. Y'all, this could have been a domestic terror ambush lynching that you would have never heard about. Remember, we didn't hear about Breonna Taylor for months after. We didn't hear about the brother that was killed by them white supremacists in them pickup trucks down in Georgia till months after. Now, the brother said he's blessed to be alive, but he was he had questions. He was staying in a question mode. In an interview, he asked, why did you shoot me, sir? What's the point? Now, Gaylor Spiller, the head of the parish's NAACP chapter, said this 14-year-old boy that they kept hitting is very telling. Okay. Hector Linares, a juvenile defense attorney said to deny the existence or not confirm a deputy shot somebody in an arrest is gaslight pure and simple if the facts were favorable to them they'd be shouting it out now trey maul's mother noted that her son now suffers from tight pains and burning sensations that he will experience for the rest of his life she said he was an average little boy he loved football he can't play sports now now he's more of a hermit he thinks the police are following he thinks they're trying to harass him He doesn't feel like walking around. This was a direct domestic terror ambush lynching attempt from the system of racism, white supremacy on behalf of the Jefferson Parish. And niggas need to word it that way. We don't need no soft shoe bullshit. No, niggas need to word it that way. That is the statement that should be made 
anytime something like this occurs, an anti-black domestic terror terrorist ambush lynching. That brother didn't think he was gonna get shot. And the reason why I said it was an ambush is because y'all didn't even want to come out and say, hey, look, there was a police shooting involved in a 14-year-old black child. Now, usually they'll say a black male because they consider our children to be adults by the age of seven or eight. That's why they're handcuffed. That statement I made is either true or false. That statement I made is either true or false. Do you dig it? Y'all probably didn't even hear about that case. I'm going to tell on the Bagland podcast. Okay. You damn right. We're going to get that on the Bagland podcast. Now, here's another case by Federal News Network. This is interesting because when mailing packages, you're probably going to wonder, well, what's going on right now? Well, it says that USPS package search keeps agency afloat, but puts a toll on employees. Now, despite a financial hit from the Corona pandemic, the postal service faces a tremendous workload. Now UPS, or I'm sorry, uh, the post office has seen a mail volume drop 25 to 30% during the pandemic, but about a 60% higher increase in package volume leading to senior agency officials to walk back more dire predictions. While the Postal Service faces an uphill battle to stay solvent, its workforce of more than 600,000 employees have encountered a slew of challenges. Now, it says the National Rural Letter Carriers Association, for instance, filed a national level grievance, essentially asking the Postal Service to consider the pandemic a peak season that would allow rural carriers to receive overtime pay. I agree with that. Now, the union represents about 120,000 rural carriers that deliver 78,000 routes nationwide. Before we get even deeper, I want to put extra respect on the carrier's name. I want to put extra respect on the people delivering our packages name. That's why whenever somebody comes to my door and delivers my damn package, I tell them, thank you. I appreciate it. These dudes up here, they talking about they doing 12 to 14 hours and receiving a regular eight hour pay. These are essential workers. You know, a lot of times people will may look down and be like, oh, they get a post office carrier. But these are the people that's making sure you got your shit. When you order Amazon Prime, when you order Federal Express, when you order the UPS and the USPS, they're making sure that you got your shit. Some people are getting checks. Some people are getting medicine. That's something that we need to consider and think about. Hell yeah, they need their overtime damn pay. Okay. Now it says here, The grievance takes issue with the Postal Service failure to provide adequate relief for rural carriers who have been disproportionately affected by exponential and sustained growth and parcel volumes delivered brought by the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, I didn't got some mail that then came to my house a couple different times and it was somebody else's name. I went and brought it back to the post office. I really wasn't upset about it. I thought it was like, damn, why did, why did this person, because this is a whole different address. But man, they are overwhelmed. 12 to 14 hour days. I mean, come on now. Shout out to the post office. Getting these packages. Now listen, let's listen. Let's talk about the Red Sox. Well, hold on. Let's go to this other report here. Let's go to this other report here. Now, you have something here by the Red Sox. Let's talk about that. The Red Sox dog by claims of racism and sexual abuse. Now, it looks like the Red Sox, it was a major league all-star, Tory Hunter, said he had been called the N-word. Now, this is the same thing as what's going on in the wrestling world. Right? And it looks like they said there's been a dozen black men who have spent several years trying to get the Red Sox to listen that there's been claims that they were sexually abused by a clubhouse manager who died in 2005. 
So I'm not gonna get real deep into it, but what I'm gonna say is this. You have a lot of these organizations that are, rely that are allowing sexual abuse to happen to children going into Hollywood. Y'all should watch that open secret on Vimeo. You got a lot of people that, you know, things are happening to folks in Hollywood in sports. And basically they're like, accept this mistreatment or you could pretty much just kiss your career goodbye. I'd rather not have my career. Somebody pull me into a room and tell me, hey, you got to do something funny. But well, one thing we got to keep in mind is a lot of these folks is children. So they're thinking like, you know, your brain's still not developed. Now me as a child, I'm like, no, nah. I'm like, no, nah. no, you know what I'm saying? But not everybody's strong. So they may really want that career bad enough. And what they start doing is they start seasoning you. They start pulling you to the side and start gaining your trust, gaining your parents' trust. And before you know it, you in a situation where you're being molested. And that happens a lot. I find something that's very interesting here in which citing the coronavirus, judges release a child, child pornographers from prison that will soon house Roger Stone. Now they said Roger Stone was scheduled to report to federal prison next week to begin serving his 40 year prisons, prison uh, sentence on charges stemming from the special counsel's probe. Then it says it was two convicted sex offenders were released last month from Georgia prison that were house stone because of the coronavirus. So basically, they letting Billy Bob go free. That's what they doing. They're letting Billy Bob go free. I thought that was very, very interesting on the way that worked. Donald J with the toupee probably was all over that. Now I seen something else that looked, that was very interesting. Now this was on Cointelegraph.com, the future of money. Y'all might want to check that out. It's called Cointelegraph.com. They talk about crypto media and all types of things like that. I thought that was pretty constructive. Now there was two teens arrested after paying Bitcoin to see a live stream murder on dark web. Now, why the hell you would want to see that? I don't know, but it says two Italian 17 year olds were arrested for paying Bitcoin to see children being sexually abused, tortured and murdered in live streaming. Local media messaggero reported on July 15th that the deep web website viewed by two users allowed to pay extra to decide what torture the children will be subjected to next. So the services offered by the website have different costs. Viewing a pre-recorded video costs much less than watching live both, but in both cases, the viewing concludes with the death of the child. The article also provides another example, according to which viewers can, for instance, request them to amputate a children's arm or to pour hot oil over the victim. Now, law enforcement said the live request really costs a lot of money and ensure particularly high profits to the foreign organizations that carry out those inhuman acts. Right before we get into this article, this is really some sick shit, but we got to report the truth. If you look at one of the articles that I reported many, many episodes back where you had, I believe it was some guys, some Arab dudes, or I can't remember where this, I think it was out there in Libya or somewhere. They were kidnapping I think Somalian folks or East Africans and children kidnapping them, holding them in as ransom. And basically what they were doing is they were taking their organs and they were doing all types of sick shit. So what they would do is they'll kidnap you because you're trying to, maybe you're a migrant. You're trying to get to another country, maybe get to Europe and they'll call your family and hold you for ransom. If you don't pay, then what'll happen is you know, shit, you'll just end up on, you know, they'll take your organs and do some bullshit like that. So there's a lot of organ trafficking going on. Now, these were 17 year olds doing this. So the question is, is at 17 years old, what were they doing at 12? What else were they doing? Now I'm starting to suspect that they were sexually assaulting folks. Why would you want to see that happen to children? It says the two were searched as part of an ongoing investigation that has so far involved 25 people, 19 minors, and six over 18, residing in 13 Italian provinces. 
The operation is nicknamed Dirilio, Dirilium in Italian by local law enforcement. Now it started in October and resulted in intensive searches. See, black folks, man, we don't have, really have no underground bullshit like this. I wouldn't even notify no bullshit like this. Now listen to this. The two arrested are a man and a woman who exchanged details pertaining to what they refer to as a red room. The man often shared with the woman grim details of the live streams. Now media found including pedo pornographic videos self-made by minors, videos of children young as three years old being molested by adults, and videos depicting violence often accompanied by Nazi symbology. Did you hear me? These were white supremacists that believe in pedophilia. That's part of their nature. That's part of the white supremacist nature. Go back to ancient Rome. Don't believe me, nigga. Go check it out for your fucking self. It said it's unclear whether the website offering the services was shut down, but presumably only some of its viewers were caught. Local law enforcement has not answered Cointelegraph's inquiry. Now it says pedopornography's relationship with crypto, cryptocurrencies, um, pseudonymity, and the lack of governmental control, I hope I said that right, over them make them suitable for criminals. Among such criminals, we could find political dissidents, whistleblowers, journalists, but also pedophiles, drug dealers, and black hat hackers. There has been many worldwide reports on the use of Bitcoin and other crypto assets, specifically in child porn dealings. For instance, at the end of June, Spanish law enforcement, at the end of June, Spanish law enforcement took down a dark web child porn ring that used cryptocurrency transactions to pay for content. So you're having a lot of these folks using crypto to harm children. And what law enforcement should do when they find them is they should burn their ass half to death and hang them from the nearest tree. But they don't do that. They throw them in jail and then we have to pay for it as taxpayers. Right? Now, the most wanted pedophile mastermind behind darknet sites that served thousands across the globe is arrested. This was on a Daily Mail, Daily Mail in UK. The suspect, they said, is believed to have created several darknet pedophile websites. Police investigators arrested a man in his 40s in the French city of Bordeaux. He was charged with rape and sexual assault of, under, of, of underage girls. Now, before we go into this article a little bit and move on to the next subject, have you noticed that they haven't mentioned his name? They mentioned the charges. They mentioned what he did. This dark net stuff. That's like, I mean, I don't know what they got over there in France as far as federal, but had he been here, it would have been a hundred thousand charges already under the books. They haven't mentioned his name. They still haven't mentioned his name yet. Now let's keep on going. They said he raped a minor, sexually assaulted a 15-year-old. Here's an image that I'm going to keep right here. Now, it says, Bordeaux prosecutor Frederic Portieri said the internet user identified as one of the 10 most wanted targets enabled thousands of internet users across the world to have access to photographs of child pornography. So this is like a hacker now. He also appeared to have played an active role in the production of child porn photographs and videos. I still don't see his name. So this had to have been somebody that was higher up. Moving right along, Cicada Wasp Killer, Cicada Killer Wasp appearing Wesley. Wesley, Maryland. The summer weather is here and it brought some new insects into Wesley, including some wasps that have made themselves comfortable outside the Department of Public Works headquarters. The cicada wasp killer named Cecilius Suspicious was spotted nesting outside the DPW headquarters. While the name is jarring, humans don't have to worry about as these bugs are solitary and hunt cicadas. So if you ever heard them things in the summertime when it's real hot to say, eh, 
Yeah, that, that's them. So they ain't going to really mess with you. It says they come out in the summer months and fly high above tree trunks and branches looking for cicadas. So this, the female cicada killer, it digs a burrow in an open area, provisions it with two or three cicadas for her offspring to feed on, and then seals the opening and flies off, according to Mace Audubon. Now remember, cicadas grow, they have like a 17-year growth spurt. They grow over 17 damn years. They're old as hell. You know what I mean? They're old. And remember, Benjamin Banneker, not only did he survey Washington, D.C., not only did he do that, but he studied the cicada and its 17-year growth period. Rest in heaven, Benjamin Banneker. So it says the females have stingers, but they're used to paralyze cicadas. Rarely do they sting humans, only when caught in clothes or by bare hands. Male wasps do not have stingers, although they do buzz around their nest. Now the Wesley DPW posted a sign on the orange cone outside the nesting spot to alert residents. The department published a sign on Facebook to let residents know that they had new neighbors saying they're not aggressive and are very beneficial in pollinating plants. You guys should check out my older episode about the set tripping murder hornets. I talked about that. Talked about those wasps. I thought that was pretty dope. Well, I think that's all I got tonight. Maybe we'll go and take a live real quick. Maybe we'll go and take a live. Anybody want to get into the information technology game, go to www.beingblackandit.com and make sure you go to www.derxwipes.com. That's www.derxwipes.com to get your disinfectant wipes because we've been seeing a lot of cases in Florida and Texas. So you want to get your disinfectant wipes all natural. <laughs> 